Allow me to introduce myself. I am a member of the fastest growing, most deadly, most popular, most misunderstood group in American history. I come from a variety of backgrounds, races, religions, and family settings. I am the product of two engaging, loving parents from the suburbs or one single mom from the inner city. I'm Democrat, Republican, Black, White, Hispanic, Samoa, Native American, and Asian. I'm straight, I'm gay, I'm educated, I'm uneducated. I'm part of the generation that uses social media to communicate life to those who agree with me and death to those who don't. I spend a large part of my day hiding behind electronic devices that fit into my hand or on my lap or on the desktop in my bedroom. And it is in my bedroom where I spew out my most deadliest venom. Venom that has been known to destroy relationships, empower the bully, increase the suicide rate, and share views that promote racism, insensitive jokes, hatred, and other divisive campaigns. I can be found on the dark web, or at rave parties, or hiding in plain sight. My goal is simple, to send a message to society by shooting up or blowing up schools, houses of worship, businesses, or sporting events. The source of my anger comes from the perception that I have been misguided, misunderstood, misdiagnosed, or mistreated by an individual, a group, a movement, or a country. The conscience I once possessed as a young child has been choked out by the repeated images I now see and enjoy on violent video games, reality TV, and the 24-hour news cycle. It's only a matter of time before I strike again unleashing my terror in the hearts and the minds of the innocent. A synagogue up there, a movie theater over here, or a school right here. Whatever the venue, I can't be stopped. They can only help to contain me. So who am I? Well, I am a member, a proud member of the shameless culture. And the American psyche is my playground. Welcome to the Parenting Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. Conscious conversations to help you take your teen from anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem to empowered and inspired so you can have less chaos and more connection in your life. It takes a village. And now, on to our show. All right, all right. Welcome to the Parent Teen Mindset Show. I am your host, Forrest Poland. Our guest today, uh, really, really excited to have him on. Um, the last time, you know, we had worked together, he had helped myself and Coach Anthony Steele um, work and collaborate with some schools in Oceanside, California, helping with physical fitness and mindset. Um, and he also had created this this play. I remember it uh, very vividly because, you know, he had this huge message about, you know, not being in a transaction relationship, but being in an actual relationship. And we're missing that with our teens, you know, in our school systems, in our households. We're missing that relationship. Sometimes we just have this transactional piece where people are just we're moving by people in the hallway. Our kids are coming and going and we're coming and going. And we don't really stop to see, you know, what's going on, check in with each other. And so parents, I'm really excited to bring our guest in. He's a former professional athlete. He is the coordinator for school safety and security for the San Diego County Office of Education. Let's give a warm welcome to Tim Ware. Mr. Ware, thanks for coming on. 
Hey, Forrest, hey, glad to be here, man. Excited about this and what you're doing over there, doing some good work. Is definitely needed in our system now, and I, I get a, a chance to see it firsthand in working with, um, you know, kids K-12 all the way up, and in some cases colleges, and definitely with the parents as well. But thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Your perspective is very needed right now. Um, working with all the schools, understanding safety, um, you know, and and we wanted to talk about today championship parenting, the back in the day way, right? But before we do, let's get a little bit about your background, Mr. Ware. Like, what what's your background, and why did you become involved in what you're doing today? Well, you know, uh, as a as a former professional athlete, you get a chance to work with kids. Uh, on a regular basis, you know, that's, and that just kind of goes hand in hand. And so when I finished and I retired from professional football, uh, I still want to continue to work with kids, really like working with young kids and, uh, and older kids as well. And so that's how I got into education. As, as a matter of fact, I, I went into being a deputy probation officer first. So I was in the, mm. uh, the criminal justice system as a deputy probation officer for seven years prior to getting into education. And that's just, I just kind of transferred from the law enforcement piece and working with kids into the education piece. Actually, I was kind of hired away from probation to do what I was doing uh, in, in probation and bringing it to uh, schools and working with kids. But it's, you know, the, the central figure is uh, in our school, are, are the kids, and that's what it's all about. And obviously working with the parents as well. Fantastic, fantastic. So, you so, know, um, you that, that was a natural thing, and then... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that that's a natural transition. And uh, my wife and I, we're uh, a big time team and, and coaching kids. And our, when our kids were younger, so we just coached them up. And it, it just depended on whatever the sport was, we know we're going to use that sport from our mindset to teach biblical principles. That was our, our plan mm -hmm. and that was our goal. And so we, we got in coaching for that. And, uh, you know, you know, winning is great, but we want to give those kids something they can take with them as they become a, a caring, responsible adult. That's great. That's great, Mr. Ware. I really appreciate you doing that, you know, taking the time, understanding that there's certain foundational principles that you want the teens and the kids to live by and bringing them up with those principles and those values. That's huge, right? We're missing a lot of that, the values and things today. Um, you know, uh, I think you had a disclaimer that you wanted to share. Um, did you want to share a disclaimer that you're speaking here today? Oh, yeah. Yourself, Mr. Ware. Yeah. 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 I am here today representing Tim Ware and my family. Um, uh, although a lot that will be said today and shared, uh, the San Diego County Office of Education, I'm sure they will agree with it, but I, I, I definitely come and I apply my biblical principles, um, in what I do and what I say and how I go about my business. Um, in some cases, when I'm working with San Diego and working with parents, I can't say the, the, the name of Jesus. I can't do mm -hmm. th those kind of things, even though I am, I am applying biblical principles. So today, I'm representing myself. I can be free, free to say Jesus whenever I want. And I just want to make that part clear that I am not representing the county, San Diego County Office of Education today. Uh, even though we're going to talk about some things that we're doing. Thank you for that clarity. And um, yeah, <coughs> we, we really appreciate all the different viewpoints on this show. So we're really happy to have your viewpoint 
most definitely. So, um, Mr. Ware, let's get into championship parenting the back-in-the-day way. Why is this important right now? I mean, the kids that I'm dealing with, that I'm working with, rather, are sometimes in depression, anxiety. You know, self-harm last year went up 344%, according to a recent article um, in Time Magazine from Fair Health. And so... Um, there's all these things that teens are struggling with, social media, bullying and cyberbullying, um, you know, uh, sex offenders. I mean, there's so many different things, uh, fentanyl overdoses, drugs, all the classic ones, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, and so with all these issues, right, how do we gain some, I don't know, some, uh, the relationship that we need to gain with our teens so we can trust them to make the right decisions on their own and grow up to you know have a life that is valued and they see value in other people empathy in their communities rather so how do we go about that well you know it's funny we mentioned uh, champion championship parenting you know to be a champion mm-hmm. in any endeavor uh it takes commitment dedication sacrifice it takes some hard work and uh it takes setbacks um to, to learn from as well and as a parent it's same thing there's certain things that we're going to have to do to get to a point to where we can be considered a championship uh, parent doesn't mean that you're perfect because obviously in, in football for example uh, the, if you look at a championship team you look back on their season they there were a lot of mistakes that were made but they were able to adjust uh, from making those mistakes and apply that information they learn as they go forward and that is the same thing with parents and we, we mentioned the part about back in the day uh, I say that because as a 58 year old uh, growing up in a certain generation I know and by that for that matter being raised by a single mom okay I want to put that in mm. there because I without a doubt I really feel one of the biggest issues that we have in our generation today is the devastating effect that absentee fathers are having on our society or having on our kids. And the, the father, that's not to say, that's not to slight a parent, a mom, because I obviously was raised by an awesome mom. But I'm saying that moms are, because of the absentee fathers, are having to do things that they, that they weren't really designed to do. And it's not fair, but they have to do those things. And the, and the mom, we have all those great moms out there. But I'm saying those fathers, they, and I say I'm missing uh, absentee fathers, I am not only talking about the father who is missing in action, not in the home. I'm also talking about the fathers who are in the home, uh, but they're missing in action. They're, they mm. are transactional, as you mentioned, as a, and not, uh, not transformational. And that's what our kids, that's what our young adults, our young kids need in, in their lives. We need more transformational people. A, trans, a transactional adult yes. is somebody who comes in, could be a teacher, could be a, uh, someone, anybody, a parent. They're only interested in you coming to school, for example, sitting down, behaving yourself, doing the work, and, I, and you leave, I, I really don't want to have anything to do with you. That's transactional. That's like going to the bank and do a transaction. Right. There's no lasting relationship mm. after that versus a transformational adult. These are people who are invested in the kids uh, through the tough times, through the challenges beyond the classroom, beyond when they finish my school. I'm invested in you being uh, a responsible, caring adult. 
that's what we need. Those are who we need and that our kids need on our campuses nowadays. So the championship piece, I think about the go. I go back to the foundation. I'll give you an example on a project that we're working on. We are working on what we call Strong San Diego. And I say that and I stress that because I don't want you to get confused with San Diego Strong. Because that's pretty much what you, right. you see happening when we have these acting, actor shooter events around the country. Uh, uh, it's devastating happening. People are upset. People are hurt, distraught. And what happens typically is you get some politician or uh, athlete or entertainer, they come together and start putting these policies together to change the laws and everybody rallies behind them and we're going to come back and be stronger as a result of this, in, this situation. Well, what we're saying is, why do we have to wait for something devastating like that to happen in our community, in our county in San Diego? And so we're going to call it Strong San Diego, San Diego Strong. No, we're going to call it Strong. We want to build and strengthen our communities uh, now before those things happen so we can potentially and hopefully prevent those things from happening and the way we do is go back to from a foundational standpoint and the and the process of me studying and building this program together i came across something that's very interesting as you know that from 1950 to 2021 the year 1957 had the lowest manslaughter murder rate of all those years so I started looking at 1957. I was like, well, what's what's happening different or not happening in 1957 and, and just different than all the other years? And I really couldn't come up with anything concrete because they had the same challenges from a social standpoint, a religious standpoint, racism standpoint at that time. But the one thing I saw, and I still keep looking at it, is there was a consistency, there was a continuity between adults on how kids should be raised from a foundational standpoint. Uh, they said kids, for, for example, you're respectful uh, and, for, and being responsible for your actions. You're respectful and how you re respect yourself, but how you respect others. And that includes your speech and um, how you go about in our community. Uh, it was always a big time respect and from adults and everybody expected it. So when the kids left home there was a certain standard uh, that was put in place by the parents and when they got to school those kids that same standard that the, the, the parents had was built on by the teachers and then when the kids went back home it was continuity there was a foundation there that we like to say and kids understood that nowadays i give you an example when i grew up in that, in that environment obviously i wasn't born before uh, at 1957, office 1963, but mm -hmm. if I had a, when I was in school, if I had an issue that my mom was called to school to take me up there because I misbehaved, my mom is on her way to talk to the principal uh, or the teacher. She's going up there on her way with an attitude of I'm going to give that teacher or that principal the benefit of the doubt that they were right and my son was wrong. Okay, and when we get right. there, we'll sort it all out. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's different. Now you have parents taking their—not everybody—but you have parents taking their kids up there, and they've already. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat that that teacher up. I'm gonna eat that principal up because of what they did and what my son said happened at school today. And that's the same son that's been lying to them on a regular basis. But yet and still, they're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt or her the benefit of the doubt, and now not that adult. Now, that's not to say we have adults out there that are making big-time poor decisions and are hurting kids. 
But we have to get back to a point to where from an adult standpoint, that's the foundation we put in place. And in my, in my view, it is a biblical foundation. A lot of people want to call it something else. But if you look at it, you know, we don't want kids to do drugs. That's biblical. We don't want kids to dis be dis disrespectful to adults. That's biblical. You know, so all those things, you can call it what you want, but really it's biblical principles. Yeah, and I understand just to have that, that, that continuity between this is the expectations and standards we have as parents, and this is the expectations and standards we have at the school, and at least we're eye to eye on that coming forth, you know. Um, you know, like you said, and I'm glad you pointed out the other side of the coin, too, is that sometimes adults or authority figures, um, you know, they, they don't do the right thing as well, you know, so to be able to question authority, but Correct. not in a way that... You know, in every line of work, away we have that. poor... Yeah. Right. Go ahead. Now, I know we have to delay. In every line of work, we have um, poor adults making poor decisions. Be it priests, be it teachers, mm -hmm. be it um, whatever, bankers, whatever. They're making poor decisions. We understand that piece. But we do have to... Um, let me give you... Because from a, from a respect standpoint, you know, I, I'm going to start off by giving you a certain amount of respect just because I just met you as a person. And you will determine mm -hmm. where that respect goes by your behavior and what we do. Same with my kids. And we'll get the kids, you know, talking about, you know, especially teenagers, they want to get more freedom. Well, freedom is earned. It's not just something that we automatically just give you because you turn 16. Well, you're 16, but have you earned the freedom that you want by the decisions that you've been making? I gave you an example we talk about right. in our line of work with the school shootings. You know, that was a big, that continues to be a big thing. Unfortunately, when we're talking about our law enforcement experts, we're kind of thinking that, that those kind of things are going to, uh, and not just schools, but actor shooter events in general because of the, post, the pandemic and the isolation and all the things that have been happening from a mental health standpoint with our kids. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that we do in my line of work is we do threat assessments. We do threat assessment training. I do actor shooter training. Just did that yesterday. So we've, and we have partnerships with the uh, Secret Service and the FBI, and we're growing those partnerships. But what we're seeing uh, when we talk about those individuals that are going out and committing these heinous acts of crime, there's a certain unofficial profile. I say that because there's no official profile of a school shooter or active shooter that we see. But what I do when I do my training, I kind of give them a little description of the people, the various different groups that we're seeing uh, in schools and in the communities and the attention together goes like this if you don't mind mm -hmm. so I start please, my training please, off yeah. by saying this allow me to introduce myself allow me to int introduce myself I am a member of the fastest growing most deadly most popular most misunderstood group in American history I come from a variety of backgrounds races religions and family settings I am the product of two engaging loving parents from the suburbs or one single mom from the inner city. I'm Democrat, Republican, Black, White, Hispanic, Samoan, Native American, and Asian. I'm straight, I'm gay, I'm educated, I'm uneducated. I'm part of the generation that uses social media to communicate life to those who agree with me and death to those who don't. I spend a large part of my day hiding behind electronic devices that fit into my hand or on my lap or on the desktop in my bedroom. And it is in my bedroom where I spew out my most deadliest venom. Venom that has been known to destroy relationships, empower the bully, 
increase the suicide rate, and share views that promote racism, insensitive jokes, hatred, and other divisive campaigns. I can be found on the dark web, or at rave parties, or hiding in plain sight. My goal is simple, to send a message to society by shooting up or blowing up schools, houses of worship, businesses, or sporting events. The source of my anger comes from the perception that I have been misguided, misunderstood, misdiagnosed, or mistreated by an individual, a group, a movement, or a country. The conscience I once possessed as a young child has been choked out by the repeated images I now see and enjoy on violent video games, reality TV, and the 24-hour news cycle. It's only a matter of time before I strike again, unleashing my terror in the hearts and the minds of the innocent. A synagogue up there, a movie theater over here, or a school right here. Whatever the venue, I can't be stopped. They can only help to contain me. So who am I? Well, I am a member, a proud member of the shameless culture. And the American psyche is my playground. That's our, our attention getter. And when you break down that, the shameless culture, there's three types of culture. Kids, first of all, there's that conscience culture. That's where we want our kids to live. That's where we want our adults to live. These are kids who have been raised correctly by their parents, who has instilled in them right from wrong. The kids make mistakes, but when they do make those mistakes, their conscience is going to dog them because they know those leaders, those adults in their lives is instilled in them. And then that's yeah, the first yeah, the one. The second culture. one is that's the That's where shame we want culture. our kids to be. The shame we culture. want to be in the conscious culture. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and, and just really quickly, right. I want to say that same that, culture, same kids uh, that, that I think there might be a little bit of an audio delay, but just really quickly um, there. Uh, that was an, a mind blowing rant, as you put it, um, because the chills just went up and down my spine. I think everybody in the community needs to be hearing that what you just said, because it really awakened what's going on, the root cause of what's going on and uh, just what we're up against and how it's formed and how it continues to cycle. So thank you for, you know, having that for us. You know, that's incredible. Now, you know, we talked about that shame culture also. We got the conscious culture, then the shame culture. Mm -hmm. Same kids, been raised pretty good by parents and instilled in them what's right and wrong, but they go out and they, they kind of go rogue sometimes and they make poor decisions. But... When they make those poor decisions, they start to think about the adults in their lives, their parents, their, their coaches, uh, uncles, or, or teachers that have instilled in them and invested in them. And the shame of, of disappointing them is going to be the motivating factor for them to make the right decision next time. But then there's that third group. And it's that third group that we're really concerned with. That's the shameless culture group. These are the kids that in some cases, in most cases, they've been raised right too, but somehow they got off track. They got off track and now they've been in their minds, they've been mis, mistreated, misguided, misunderstood, misdiagnosed. And so when they go out and commit these heinous acts of crime, some of them, you catch them, they'll say, yeah, I did it. And not only I did it, I did it. And it was this person or this system or this movement's fault. And they're not going to take responsibility for it. And it's that shame, mm -hmm. shameless culture that they don't have that shame. They don't have the, the sense of, uh, empathy, you know, empathy for kids, empathy. And it's, and they don't have respect for human life. And those are the ones we're really concerned with. But in our system, in education, in the community, we see all three areas. 
we see all three kids, the, the conscious culture, the shame culture, and the shameless culture. How can we, how can we as a community come in and um, help the shameless culture? Um, how can we build them up and get them to move into the other cultures? I, you know, no, Forrest, I don't know if you ever um, um, ventured and, and discussed the 40 developmental assets. Um, uh, it's going around, been around for years. The Search Institute uh, put those out there. Uh, but it really breaks down on what kids need in present in their, in their lives in order for them to become caring, responsible adults. Now, obviously, we, we want to take each level, but you start with a 10-year-old and, and they're young, what can we do for them to be caring, responsible adolescents? What can we do from an adolescent standpoint to be caring, responsible young adults? And so each area, there's certain things to need, but it it's kind of spells out what they need, what, sh what should be present. For example, family support, positive family communication. That's key because we talk about the most important thing about life, in my opinion, is our relationships. The most important thing about relationships is communication. The most important thing about communication mm -hmm. is trust. And the most important thing about trust is time. So kids need our time as adults. That's why having those absentee fathers, that's why it's devastating. Because there's certain points that the best mom can't do the things that a father should do. Okay? They, 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 my mom is awesome. But there are certain things, my dad got killed at age six. There are certain things that I missed on my journey to become an adult that my dad, I needed my dad there. And mm -hmm. I, I learned from them and I, I applied those things and I said to myself, when I do have kids, these are things that they're not going to be, be missing. Family support, huge. And we talk about being a, being a, a dinner table family. See, dinner table, we don't stress that now. Because we have all the electronic, we have technology, and everybody's on there, this and that. But sitting at the table, it may start off being once a week. Because back in the day, that's where the rearing was done, at the dinner table. That's where the conversations when, when, had, at the dinner table. Yeah. In my house, uh, when I grew up, uh, we had dinner Monday through Friday every single night at 5.30. And we all sat down, everybody in the family. And it was just a normal thing, a regular thing, but it was the one time the family came together. Now um, we're hit and miss. You know, everyone's got their different schedules and everything, but sometimes right. we'll sit down and have a meal together. But, um, yeah, having that as a, a cornerstone in a household is fantastic. I agree. Oh, yeah, that's huge because that's where – Parents are going to get information and you're going to get information verbally or you're going to be reading some body language because you're seeing them on a regular basis. Now, it may not be at the, at the dinner table. That's just the concept. It may be another thing that you're going to do as a family. But you have to, especially if we have dads out there listening, man, you got to take that lead and, and say, this is what we're going to do. Um, my, my kids growing up with my wife and I as a team, as a team, we're going to have uh, our, our discussions as they grew up. And those discussions changed because they got older. But it was coming from a biblical standpoint in our home. And I, as the dad, made sure those things were happening. And as they got older, yes, those schedules, now they can drive and do all these different things. But we are going to have certain things that's going to happen. We're going to get together and we're going, we're going to communicate with each other. We're going to love each other. Man, it's, you know, my mom told me, first of all, that she loved me every day. 
And in turn, my wife and I do the same thing with our kids. It's not one of those things of, well, you know how I feel about you. No, it's not that. We verbally say it. And nowadays, our kids are returning that on a regular basis as well. Mm, so I love hearing so, that. Sometimes, um, uh, it's getting back as to a those parent, we, we have a hard time communicating that. We have a hard time saying I love you or doing that on a regular basis. But that is important. And you mentioned biblical principles. I think the one thing we can all agree on, even if we're atheist or whatever religion, is the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's a very, very right. simple principle that I think is universal, and it's also biblical from the Christian faith um, that would apply, would you say? Right, exactly. Yeah, Because yeah, people, you know, people are not going to, it's very rare that you have people going to object to you applying these biblical principles to my kid. Yeah, yeah, I don't want your kid to, to, to use drugs. Oh, okay, I don't want my kid to use drugs either. Uh, you know, I want your kid to be responsible and respectful to adults. I do too. Yeah, I want my kids to uh, listen, practice first-time obedience when the mom or dad say something at home. Well, yeah, we would expect that as well. So those things are, like you said, are universal, and those are the things that we need mm -hmm. to get back from a society standpoint on stressing those things. You know, it's uh, mm -hmm. not necessarily on what happened, but how did it happen? How, how did you handle yourself, Johnny, when you talked to Mrs. Johnson, the teacher, about this disagreement or whatever that happened? How did that happen? And so we have to get back to that. That's why we're talking about those 40 developmental assets. It really breaks it down because I want to empower my kids. I want my kids to be healthy. I want them to have, be respectful and have, have conversations with adults, respectful conversations, and be able to express their opinion appropriately, even though you're talking to an adult. But you do it appropriately. Yeah, we get into, okay, so I, yeah. I think uh, whoever we are, we get into these, these ego roles where sometimes the ego role in a teenager is that of the defiant teenager, the angsty teen right. that wants to, you know, uh, just kind of come up against authority, right? And I was that teenager. I was that, I was that person. Um, later on when I was 21, sure. um, I, I got introduced to martial arts. And martial arts reintroduced me to that respect because you start with the bow. You bow to your instructor. You bow to the place that you're training in. You shake hands with two hands, meaning like you're extending a gift to the individual and saying, I respect you. And so there's that mm -hmm. commonality of respect in martial arts and in the way I was raised. I got away from it for a little while, but it came back. And, and every time mm. I've come back to that, uh, you know, it, 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 made, it made more sense in my life than to kind of push against authority, even though I still believe to question authority when that time comes. Forrest, you said something that was very important. And I want to say that to all the parents out there, that yes, you instill those great uh, attributes in them and, and expectations. And as they go through their teen years, it seems like they're getting away from it. But in most cases, they will come back to those things because they're maturing. Mm. They're maturing mm -hmm. and they're starting to see, even though they don't say and acknowledge to it, acknowledge it to you they're starting to see your dad your dad does know something or mom mom she's pretty sharp and so they start taking on those attributes and they start growing those areas so most of the time they do come back yeah you do have some obviously that kind of continue to go rogue uh, but as when they leave those doors at age 18 or 21 
man, I wanted, I wanted to be able to say to my wife and I, man, we, we did a pretty good job. Praise God, we did a pretty good job with our kids. They know right from wrong. Whether they go out and, and apply them and make those choices, they can't say that, well, mom and dad never taught us that. No, they, they can't say that. And I wanted to be able to say that. And we continue because they're off out of the house now doing their own thing. And they're, 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 you know, they're making uh, poor choices in some cases. Uh, but they're making choices also that I wouldn't make. But it's not necessarily a poor choice. It's that's that that's what they want to do, and that's how we raise them. He's talking about uh, questioning authority. Yes, I'll question authority, but I'll question it from a respectful standpoint. But I'm not going to question the mm. biblical authority from our standpoint. Mm. Mm-hmm. See, that that's sense. that's the other that thing is we mentioned this. We're talking about this. We're talking about there's four different four different governments we talk about. First of all, the self-government. I self-govern myself. And if I get out of line, the second one comes in into play. That's the family government. My family now is going to hold me accountable, right? And then if that happens, uh, I, I go to the, the third one. I take it. We have a disagreement. I take it to the church, the, uh, the, the, the church government. The, the spiritual government is next. And then if that had happened, then you go to the civil government. What's happening is we're going from self-government, family's not involved, uh, church is certainly not in, on their radar, and we're taking it and it's going to the civil piece. But when you go to civil, you're subjected to what the civil government is going to do. And that's what's happening in our society. The civil government is not designed to do certain things that, they're, that they're, we're leaving them to. That should happen from a family and the church standpoint and society standpoint, not the, not the civil piece. And we lost your, your video, but I'm fine if you're fine. Force. That's okay. The audio is still going to kick through, so that's fine. Okay, great. So, so um, yeah, I, I would does, encourage Where does that leave us now? Um, you know, I, I, my, my question is, you know, as we're moving forward, um, you know, we want to bring that back in the day way. We want to we help the shameless, you know, instill a sense of, of, of uh, shame and community and consciousness ultimately. Um, we have to create that relationship, and then that's on a, on a community-wide scale. But we start—we're starting at home with the parent, with the listener right now. What can a, the parent do? Because you know they're trying not to um, fall into the trap of like giving the teenager every every ounce of power, but at the same time there's right. a, there's a control and a power struggle, right? Um, how can right. we? work as partner uh, as a partnership with our teens you know without just trying to like lay down the law we don't want to hammer them with the belt or we don't we don't want to just yell at them but how do we find a way to partner up with them in that respectful manner and it, it, it is it is a partnership between educators parents and and the young people uh, hmm. the question to answer your question, it depends on what level. If you're talking about a 16-year-old now and you want to make some adjustments and things that we talked about, there's going to be some pain. There's going to, there's going to be some, 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 some fighting in that area because of that age and what's been built up then. So there's, that's a different approach versus, okay, now I'm working with a 10-year-old. And so they've had 10 years, for example, maybe there's a blended family. So you have to work, that 10-year-old is going to get used to your standard, which are a little bit more structured than where they came from. That's another different approach. But then you go back to, okay, we're just now starting our family out. 
So you can apply those things now. Go visit those 40 developmental assets on how you're going to structure your family, what's going to be the expectations and the love in your family, and how you're going to, you're going to communicate in your family. But yeah, every, every level, there's a, a different approach. However, from a foundational standpoint, no matter what approach you are, you're going to have to establish respect. Respect as a 16-year-old, you deserve some respect. Okay, and how we approach you because you're 16, you're a person. Uh, but there's also how we're going to change, and it could be, it, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's one of those things that you're going to say, look, this is how we're going to establish this. I know you're not used to it as a 16-year-old because you never heard how we're going to change. But these are things that we're going to do that's best for my family, our family. Okay, it's best for everybody. And as a dad, as a mom, as a leader of the home, you have to do what's best for your home because you don't want to parent chaos in your home. Nobody wants that. Uh, but it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some courageous conversations that it may get worse than it gets until it gets better, before it gets better. But yeah, you have to have that, that, cur that courage. Because remember, you have a 16-year-old and the eight-year-old is watching the 16-year-old. If you don't correct it now, if you don't instill the respect now, you, you're going to repeat the cycle. Because that eight-year-old thinks very highly, in the most, for the most part, like I did with my big sister, that that 16-year-old is the coolest person on the planet. Cooler than you, Dad. Cooler than you, Mom. So they're watching that 16-year-old, and they're seeing all the latest dances, all the latest technology. All the, I want to be like the 16-year-old. And if, if it's yeah. okay, if I see the six-year-old doing something, you're going to have to repeat those things, and you don't want to do that. Establish it now because that's mm. what's best for your family. Lay down the foundation piece and always doing it in love. Always doing it in love. Because last thing I'm going to say, is, uh, uh, Forrest, when we talk about those school shooters, yeah. all school shooters, all active shooters, they all have a couple of things in common. First of all, each one of them was somebody and is somebody's kid. And also, each one of them was somebody's student. So the question I have, when those things happen, they sit on TV, there's a parent, there's a teacher, there's a neighbor, there's a coach somewhere saying, I know that kid. That's the kid. That's such and such. And so the question they should ask themselves after they make that statement is, you know, when I had him, this is what I instilled with him. There's certain parts I didn't control. I couldn't control, but I controlled my classroom. I made sure that this was pleasant in my classroom. As a as a uh, a neighbor, I made sure when he came to my house, this is what was going on in my house. And there was some discipline. There was some direction. There was instruction. There was accountability. All done, and all those things equal love. It was done in love. And so we okay. all have a role in this. As a community, we have to attack this situation from all different levels they have to hear about respect when they go to church when they go to school when they come home when they walk down the street those things have to be from a community standpoint but at the very least i am going to say and get selfish with and said the things that he's doing are things that he's, he did not learn it's not going to happen on my watch on my watch i'm doing my piece i can't control everything that happens here but I can control what I have control over. If we and if we did so that, school for us, shooters, if, yeah, there, there's, there's yeah. There's if we did so that, much, if we did know, that, viol, vi yeah, 
Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. If we did that, everybody say, I'm going to take personal responsibility for what I have control over. We will get better without a doubt in a hurry. Yeah, if you think of the people that are doing that right now, they've probably prevented a lot of the violence that we haven't seen. And, and, and unfortunately, it's fallen through the cracks, the ones that, that are falling through the cracks, you know. And I, I really thank you, Mr. Ware, for being on the front lines of this and being a conscious educator and educating our parents today on the podcast, but doing what you do every single day. The community appreciates you. I certainly definitely appreciate you. Thank you for being on the show. Mr. Ware, is there anything that we maybe forgot about asking or that we should have asked as we kind of wrap up today or any particular message you want to send home with the parents today? Well, I want to say this. My mentor told me this. He said, we have to stop fooling ourselves and say, you know what? I had some quality time with my kids. You really can't have quality time without quantity as well. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. you may have to make some adjustments in your schedule. You may not you may not be able have be able to be in the bowling league <laughs> this go around. You may have to skip this go around and spend that time with the kids. That's what they need. They need to have that those absentee fathers, fathers if you're out there and you're hearing this and you're in, and you fit the description I just said. I didn't pull any punches. Make the adjustments. Start getting back. It may take a little bit of time but start getting back in, into their involved in their lives. And moms, uh, allow those dads to get back into the lives if it's safe. Because uh, you need that as a, as, a, as, a, as a mom, and the kids need it as well. Mm. Mr. Ware, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate you. All right, and thank you for the listener. Thank you, Forbes. Um, I remember the for the listener. You bet, you bet. Remember for the listeners at home to share this message. We know that there's other parents, teachers, uh, teen advocates that need to hear this message today. Go ahead and send this out. Share it with a friend. Sharing is caring, and it takes a village, right? So I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Mr. Ware, and thank you, listeners. Bye-bye, everybody. Can you think of someone who really needs to hear this message right now? Great. Send them a link to this show. Sharing is caring. Also, go on to Facebook right now and search parents of awesome teens with anxiety, depression, or low self-esteem so you can gain access to our supportive community. Remember, it takes a village. Thanks for listening to the Parent Teen Mindset Show.